The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. Miles to travel before I sleep. Welcome to All Things Crime. All right, Rachel. Hey, welcome to All Things Crime. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's surely, truly an honor. And for those of you that don't know Rachel, she is like the uh, DNA wizard of South Florida. And so we are super excited to have her on. Now, so now when I think of wizard, I think of like Wizard of Oz or something. Like I'm running around South Florida with like striped socks on. Or well, there you go. Hey, uh, just make sure it's videoed when you do it. <laughs> so let's get started. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. So how did you end up where you are? I was originally in pre-med and criminal justice at Loyola University of New Orleans, and I took a forensics class kind of just on a whim and fell in love with it and haven't looked back since. So I did my master's in forensic science after that, and I did that in Scotland, which was super fun to be in the United Kingdom. And then after that, I went to Poland and did my dissertation research at the forensic laboratory in Krakow. Then I head back stateside after that and went to the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory. Mm -hmm. I started out in Rockville, Maryland, and then ultimately the entire laboratory moved. And I ended up in Delaware, which is a beautiful state, but not the most happening state to be in when you're in your late 20s. <laughs> so after that, I decided I wanted to move somewhere else where I actually knew someone instead of they're just moving to brand new places all the time. So I really good family friends down in South Florida. And Allison Nunes, who's our chief operation officer, called me one day and said, how quick can you be here? And I hopped in my car and dog and a couple cats at the time and made my way down to South Florida. Very nice. Well, I'll tell you what, I had I've been to your lab a, a few times and being about a mile and a half away from Deerfield Beach, that's, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. No, it's pretty awesome. People want to visit us all the time and uh, we'll get, we get evidence just shipped to us and then we'll get people that'll be like, no, I, I must drop this off in person. It's essential that I hand deliver <laughs> this. I'm like, that's just because it's cold as all heck yeah. up in your northern <laughs> state. Absolutely. I'm going to drive from Michigan where it's cold down to South Florida to drop this evidence off because FedEx is so unreliable. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, you've been by the lab. We took a selfie last time you were there. Heck <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that we was awesome. No, loves, love that area. Love uh, all the agencies down there, you know, visiting with you guys. And um, that, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, with the MVAC down there. Yeah, and it has been for years and that's uh, obviously a hot spot for us. So uh, love there's visiting no you guys. Of- crime in Florida sometimes. No. We well, bad and- reputation for having weird crime, but we are not the weirdest. I tell you, I work all over the Caribbean and the United States and you do get weirder crimes in other states too. It's not just Florida. I promise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. We, uh, I, and tell you what, we'll get to that, but before we do, tell us a little bit about DNA Labs. So DNA Labs International was founded in 2004 by Kirsten Charlson. Um, She recognized there was a need for a private crime laboratory in Florida. Um, There's backlogs in Florida at the time um, in her county that she lived in, as well as all throughout the United States. Um, There was also this need coming from the Caribbean or or islands that didn't have their own laboratory. So really, it just kind of all started from that. And it's a family business. Her daughter is our chief operations officer. Another one of her daughters is our evidence manager. Um, I think I've probably traveled with so many conferences. I feel like I'm part of the family now sometimes too. 
that I've been there, but really everyone at the laboratory would say cheat as part of their family. So it's really great to work in such a nice little tight knit community. Right. And the laboratory serves primarily law enforcement and attorneys all throughout the United States, as well as I think about like 10 Caribbean nations now. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. What a great success story too. So when you say DNA, for somebody that's never actually looked into the actual process on layman's terms, you know, especially the way you would describe to a jury, how would you describe the DNA process? We get submitted items of evidence. Um, it could be anything like a shirt that someone was wearing that was found at the scene of a crime, or a lot of times we get just simply swabs where a CSI has already swabbed an item of evidence. And we're going to use heat and chemicals to separate out the DNA that might be present there. Um, we're going to measure how much DNA in the next step. So quantitation. Um, the third step is amplification, where we're going to make millions of copies of that DNA so that we can better visualize it in the fourth and final step, which is detection and separation, which basically does just looks like a series of numbers. Um, we're going to take that series of numbers and compare them to the numbers that we've developed from known profiles. So that's when you always see them swabbing inside of someone's cheek in the TV. Um, we actually do do that, take swabs from people's <laughs> cheeks. And then, so we'll compare and see, do those items match? Um, and if they match, we're not allowed to say, it just looks like that person's in there. We have to apply a statistic to it. So we'll generate a statistic, issue a report. Um, and then sometimes we have the privilege of prevent, presenting those findings in court as well. Well, and I, I've, I've seen you guys in action, not only at the lab, but uh, also in the courthouse. So it's, it's so interesting. I know a big part of your job is actually once you develop those profiles, then, especially if you work the evidence, you know, a, a big part of what you do is, is then go into case or as it's being adjudicated and testify. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what that's like. That part's always very interesting to me. Uh, it really varies from where you are. So when you're in the islands, everything's super polite. When you have like British court systems, everything's very prim and proper. You have to swear to the queen. Um, you get the oye, oye when everyone comes into the courtroom. <laughs> So very prim and proper. I'd say federal court a lot of times too can be very um, tidy. Everyone is very yes, ma'am, no, sir with everything. And then some of the other court systems, though, some of the smaller courts can get a little crazy sometimes. I'd say there's a lot more of kind of what you would envision on TV sometimes where you have someone dramatically pulling the podium up in front of the stand to kind of yell a question at you to try to rattle you a little bit. Hmm. Um, so I always just have to remember everyone's there to do their job. I think most attorneys probably don't dislike or like you one way or the other. I think so, at least. There's probably someone <laughs> right now staring at the screen being like, I don't like her, um, but that's fine. <laughs> I just remember, you know, everyone has a job at the end of the day. And if God forbid you ever found your side on the wrong side of the law, you would want some of these people defending you as well or presenting your evidence. So it can be interesting, though. It's fun. I like looking at jurors and seeing if you get the face that's this or the nodding yeah. face. They're getting yeah. it. They're following what I'm saying. Yeah. I always say, sweet old lady on the jury always that nods encouragingly at you the whole time. It's always like <laughs> so thankful for her. <laughs> kind of with you know cheering you on, like go yeah. Rachel. <laughs> yeah. And then without fail, right next to them will be somebody who's completely falling asleep and isn't paying attention at all. So. Oh right. It goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. So you know, we you you talked a little bit about some crazy cases. Anything jump out at you? Um, I think the craziest stuff to me is always just what people leave behind really grosses me out. I am a neat <laughs> freak. My house is very, very tidy. If there's dust on anything, um, it, I will immediately stop what I'm doing to dust. 
So for me, the fact that people not only break into someone's house where you don't know the person, but they will without fail always smoke a cigarette, drink a monster and take a poop and leave it all behind. And I'm like, first of all, what are you thinking? Cigarettes are amazing for DNA. Stop smoking when you break into people's houses. You're making it easy for everyone. Uh, but also just, ew, gross to use someone's bathroom. I just, it blows my mind every time. I'd say it's easily half a dozen cases like that every single year. So you think it's all the same person, but it's not. So the, um, the hygiene uh, experiences, those are the ones that are the grossest? Uh, that and sink traps. There's a lot of things that like really gross certain people out. I could see, you know, a decomposing body right in front of me and it will not gross me out is the things that come from the U-pipe in the bottom of a sink trap are particularly nasty. <laughs> Actually used the MVAC on before is filtering through the MVAC um, for people who've washed their hands that have blood on their hands in the sink. Uh -huh. Um, we'll take the sink trap and filter that through the MVAC filter and extract that. So it's a fun way to get DNA and the fact that it's creative, but it's really gross because sinks are nasty. Oh yeah. You got to clean those things out. That's nasty. Well, that's awesome. Well, Hey, listen, um, last question here. If you have a piece of evidence and say it's from a cold case and it's, it's been swabbed, there's been cuttings taken out of it and somebody submits it to you how would you go through the process of, of determining what to do with it? And uh, usually, I, I don't know if there's a standard process that you go through, but if there's anything you can share in that, that aspect, I think that would be really interesting for people. We always first just want to look at what's already been done um, and what year it was done. So if you did exactly what I would do and you did it six months ago, I'm going to say, hold on two years, wait for it. But if you did it 15 years ago, um, that means something completely different now. The science is ever evolving. So I always say anytime a detective has a cold case, you should every two to three years be talking to an analyst and see if there's new options. Um, some people might get annoyed by that because they want the same detective calling them over and over again, probably. But we love it. And honestly, too, we keep running lists for certain things. So we have technology that we know is coming down the pipeline that we're very excited about. We make running lists for cases where that technology could be applied. So a lot of times, even if you don't follow up with me, I might follow up with you and say, hey, do you know this is online now? Do you remember that case? I think we could do something with this. Right. Um, I'm also going to look and see if any extract is remaining still too, because there's no point in going back and making a new extract if you already have good extract to work with and it just hasn't been amplified in the last decade. So the science is much more sensitive now. So those are things we could probably go back to. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, we'll look at it and see, should we swab now using Spenshell? Um, which was a technology we developed for spent shell casings, but it turns out it's actually really useful in other items of evidence as well. Or we might say, hey, is this an item that we could unpack? A lot of times I'll say, I have to see it. <laughs> so they'll say, I have this shirt. I think that you should be able to unpack. And I'll be like, well, what does it look like? Because well, no one's opened it in 10 years. So I'm like, okay, yeah. no, I need it in front of me. Is it soaked in blood? Is there areas that would be good for unpack or areas that might be good to spent shell swap? So Really, we just have to evaluate the evidence and what's already been done and what's available for testing now. Right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. We, um, like I said, we, we like to keep these things short and that, that gives us the excuse to always invite uh, awesome guests like you to, to come back. I appreciate you coming on and yeah. Hey, have a great day. You too. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.